You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. Yesterday, upon the stair, I met a man who wasn't there. I met him there again today. I wish that man would go away. Now, I can't remember who wrote those lines, but basically they sum up beautifully the person that you think you are. It's been called various things over the years. It's been called the ego. It's been called the personality. Most recently in cognitive and developmental psychology, it is known as the conceptual self the person that you think you are. We've explored how this person, this imaginary person has come into being. Actually, that's a contradiction in terms, isn't it? If he or she is an imaginary person, he or she isn't at all, but boy, does he or she feel real. We know that we learn this stuff about who we think we are during our formative years. That's why they're called our formative years. They gave us the impression of who we think we are. We were formed during our formative years. Yet that man on the stair isn't there. He or she simply is not real. And yet he or she plays havoc with our minds. The number of people who have said to me over the years that they are suffering from low self-confidence or lack self-confidence or have low self-esteem or are constrained by their self-limiting beliefs. The number of people who have said to me over the years that they basically hate themselves, that they know they can never be anything better than who they actually are. And most importantly, so many people over the years have said to me, I cannot trust myself. Somebody quite recently said to me that I've made a couple of really harebrained decisions over the last year or two to the point where I can trust myself no longer to make the right decision. But the person in question wasn't talking about himself. He was talking about the idiot who had forced him into making these decisions by enabling him, which is clearly the wrong word, thinking through what he had to do. I'm going to explain this in detail as we progress here. The first thing I want to get through, though, is that when you think you lack self-confidence, it is because of this conceptual self. It is because of this flawed person that you think you are. When you think you're suffering from low self-esteem, again, it is this flawed person who isn't there. If you hate yourself, or if you are convinced that you will never be able to do the things you know you'd love to be able to do, to live the kind of life that even your thinking mind thinks might be within your reach, then it's all down to this person who isn't there. This person is not a figment of your imagination. He or she 
is actually a mishmash of nonsense that was slapdashed at you when you were in particular between the ages of two and three. Stuff that was done for you, but more to the point, stuff that was done to you that made you feel inadequate or bad about yourself to the extent that it made an impression upon you when you were young and impressionable and it left its mark. It made and left an impression. These what developmental psychology calls psychological snapshots were burned into your mind and are housed in the family album of horrors that when they are all brought together amount to who you think you are. And you see, from an evolutionary point of view, because we're predisposed to taking negative psychological snapshots and we're predisposed in later life to selecting the negative psychological snapshots to slot into our automatic pilot to enable us struggle through each day. We're always going to have this warped and inadequate perspective on ourselves. It's always going to highlight our perceived inadequacies and rarely does it highlight our perceived strengths. And even if it does, very often our perceived strengths are the product of us trying to paper over the perceived inadequacies or they are simply delusional. The key point is that regardless of whether you have perceived strengths or perceived weaknesses, they're still only perceptions. They're not who you are. And they all come from the psychological snapshots that you took that gave you the impression, the false impression of yourself when you were, as I said a minute ago, young and impressionable. But boy, does the conceptual self play havoc with your life. It leads you to the conclusion it leads you to all kinds of weird and wonderful conclusions. As somebody said to me a couple of days ago, he said, I want to lose weight. I want to be fit and healthy. I want to go to the gym. I want to get up off the couch, but I can't. It's like if I'm rooted to the couch and I would prefer to be sitting there watching something on YouTube than actually doing what I know I need to do to get to where I want to go. So this guy has a perception that he is lazy. Maybe you're one of those people as well. An awful lot of people over the years have said to me, I'm lazy. Somebody actually many years ago, I asked him, was he meditating regularly? And he said, what can I say? I'm a lazy slob. No, not a lazy slob. You're not lazy. The guy sitting on the couch watching YouTube instead of going to the gym, knowing that that's what he should be doing to achieve his goals, is wired that way. Because when our conceptual self was learned, it was layered on top of our evolutionary wiring that prevents you doing things that make you feel uncomfortable. Literally, stops you in your tracks. Why? Because if you did things outside your comfort zone in evolutionary times, they push you in harm's way. If you did something to set yourself apart from the herd, where there were safety in numbers, it put you in harm's way. We're actually designed not to do things that are uncomfortable. The terrible problem is that on the one hand, yes, that is an evolutionary adaptation, but we, using our conceptual self, slap the label of laziness on ourselves. We're not lazy, it just is what it is. Of course, it is what it is until you do something about it. And if you couldn't do anything about it, you might as well scrub all the podcasts that I've recorded over the last couple of years. Of course, we can do something about it. Isn't that why we're here? Other people will say, I like to be liked by other people. Another byproduct of the human condition. 
God help us, or using our minds the way nature, evolutionary nature, intended. Yes, we all like to be liked, but that is because we needed to be liked when we were young and impressionable. We needed what Anthony DeMello, uh, and if you have never heard of Anthony DeMello, Google Awareness, it is a book well worth reading. That is what Anthony DeMello called the drug of approval, that we were raised on the drug of approval. We became addicted to the drug of approval, where somebody patted us on the back or patted us on the head or said, good boy, good girl, oh God, you were great. And you got a little bit of attention. Why would you need attention? Why would you need approval? Why do you like to be liked? Because it makes you feel better about yourself. Because when you consider who you think you are, your conceptual self, you don't think you are best. You actually need improvement. Actually, think about a whole industry that has grown up around this, the self-improvement or personal growth industry or personal development industry. You don't need to develop yourself. You're perfect as you are. You don't need to improve yourself. You're perfect as you are. You don't need to grow. The perfect you is already inside you, screaming to get out. A, a, a girl I was talking to a couple of years ago when I said to her, your gut instinct, the inner you, the real you, your feminine intuition, call it what you like, knows what you need to do to get to where you want to go. And if you let her, She'll just enable you do what you need to do effortlessly. And I said, she knows what you need and want out of life, the best life for you. And she said to me, I can't hear her. I wish she'd scream at me. I said, this girl, the real you, is screaming at the top of her lungs. It's just that you can't hear her because you're listening to the noise in your own head. You're listening to this mix of noise that you learned when you were young and impressionable that you think is you. That is literally tuning you out of the one true station of life that is playing away magical and beautiful music as we speak. You just can't hear it because you're obsessed with liking to be liked. You're obsessed with other people making you feel better. You're obsessed with living down to your own inner expectations as a result of your perceived inadequacies. So if you think you're suffering from low self-esteem, it's only a thought, it's not real. If you lack self-confidence, same, it's only a thought, it's not real. If you like to be liked, you need to start liking yourself first then you'll get over the problem of looking for other people's approval. I mean, it really is quite mad when you think about how we go searching for approval from other people who are doing what? They're searching for approval from us. Many, many years ago, somebody said to me, oh, I worry about what other people think of me. And I said, well, that's utter madness and a total waste of your time and energy because other people aren't thinking about you at all. Those other people are worrying about what you think of them. So nobody's at the party. The party in question being the real world, life where it's lived in reality, in the reality of this present moment in the here and now, free of all that absolute crap in your own head and crap in other people's heads. Now, we've talked before about how this crap got there. 
We talked about it a minute ago. In fact, when it talked about psychological snapshots, we talked about how it manifests itself every day, that there are 70,000 crazy thoughts whizzing through your head every day. And 97% of today's thoughts are the same as yesterday's and tomorrow will be a repeat performance. So it is simply you creating and recreating your own little personal hell every day as you try to struggle from one day to the next. These thoughts are like squatters in your head. They have no right to be there. Yes, they enabled you make it through the day. They enabled you perhaps even get to where you are now. But what got you to where you are now will not get you to where you want to go, where you really, really want to go in your life. You need to park that traveling companion of yours. Somebody said to me, couple of weeks ago described his conceptual self as his old friend. They had traveled the road together up to now, up to the point where he met me and realized that there was so much more to him than met his own eye. And I said to him, he wasn't your friend. He was an acquaintance. He was in effect your traveling companion. And he's been with you on the road up to now, but you need not to say goodbye, not to give him a fond farewell. You need just to let it pass for the simple reason that he was never there in the first place. But boy, does this conceptual self feel real. This guy or this girl is shouting at you all the time. No, you can't do this. Oh, you're stupid. No, you don't deserve that. No, who do you think you are that you could actually achieve something like that? Oh, get back in your box and don't open your mouth. Or, you know, push your point of view so that other people hear you. Stand, out, stand up and shout out loud so that other people approve of you. This noise is going on in your head all of the time and you know what? That person has no right to open their mouth. They don't know what they're talking about because they are not real. Yesterday upon the stair, I met a man who wasn't there. This is what's going on in your head. She feels real. He feels as if he is actually you. But the real you is something else entirely. When we develop our ability to be present, and we do that through meditation, not only do we begin to turn up to the here and now, not only do we begin to get a true understanding of what is actually going on, and therefore, not only do we, armed with that understanding, begin to know what the right thing is to do and what the wrong things are that I should avoid doing, but through our presence and through our parking of our thoughts, we begin to enable the real us to emerge. Let me put it more simply. When you pay attention to the here and now, the real you begins to present herself or himself. At times, we have glimpses of who we really are. There are many, many examples in ordinary everyday life of people being confronted by dangerous situations where they seem to acquire superhuman powers or do things that they normally wouldn't do, leap to the rescue of people without a thought for their own safety. Sometimes we find 
even in the simplest things of everyday life, that the real you will enable us get things done effortlessly when we just let it. For example, I was talking to a group of people a couple of days ago, and I was saying that we've all, all of us, regardless of how crazy normal we might be, all of us have experienced flow on one particular day, most years up to now. And that is the day before you go on holidays. Have you ever been putting off stuff, long fingering stuff, and then annoying yourself that you had long fingered it, and then getting frustrated that you had long fingered it, and that it was annoying you, and then felt guilty that you hadn't done it, and you'd wasted all that mental energy. And of course, all that came from the conceptual self saying, ah, oh, you can do that tomorrow, you might feel uncomfortable doing it today, or it's something that you'd prefer not to do today. And then suddenly, you have a flight to an exotic location tomorrow morning. You're you know you're going to be away for two or three weeks and you simply got to do it. And when you got to do what you got to do, you suddenly discover that, oh, that was an awful lot easier than I thought it was. It feels almost effortless and it took an awful lot of less time than I thought it would. That's when you're in flow. That is when a flight tomorrow morning concentrates the mind. That's when the real you just does his or her stuff. The real you is designed to enable you do just what you need to do to get to where you want to go. It's how it works anyway. I've said this before, it bears repeating. This part of the brain was originally designed by evolution to ensure that if you were confronted by a woman or man-eating beast, you would immediately, without thinking about it, now there's the key, without thinking about it, because it's the conceptual self that does the thinking, you would immediately, without thinking about it, know exactly what moves to make to get out of there as quickly as possible and live to fight another day. In other words, this part of your brain is designed to enable you, I'll repeat what I said a minute ago, do just what you need to do with least possible effort to get you to where you want to go. Where you wanted to go seven or 8,000 years ago was to survive. Where do you want to go now? Now, the interesting thing is, as we've discussed in other podcast episodes, most people don't know the answer to that question either, or they think they don't, or worse, they think they do. An awful lot of people will say to me, oh, I want this, or I want that, or I want the other. No, they don't. They think they want it on the basis of them looking at other people and saying to themselves, I'd like a bit of that. That looks like happiness and success. It isn't. It might be for the other person. It might not be as well. But we tend to develop our understanding of what we think we want by looking around us and comparing ourselves to other people. And therefore, if somebody says to me straight away, oh, yeah, I know what I want, I deliberately have to take that with a grain of salt. If most people are honest, they will say, well, actually, really and truly, I don't know what I want to achieve. I don't know what I want out of life. I don't even know what to do next. We talked last week about being stuck, for example. That's the conceptual you that doesn't know. That's the conceptual you that if it does know, it only thinks it knows. The conceptual you knows nothing. As I said a couple of minutes ago, the conceptual you is not entitled to open their mouth. They have nothing valuable to add to the conversation in your own head, which you shouldn't actually be having with yourself in the first place, because there is only one of you in reality, and he or she is uh, the real you. And you know what? Not only will the real you begin to present itself when you turn up to the here and now, you'll begin to understand little by little by little as the real you emerges that the real you 
actually knows what you want out of life. And it doesn't know what you want out of life constrained by the thoughts that the normal mind uses, like, oh, you couldn't have that, that'd be unrealistic. Or who do you think you are thinking that you would deserve that kind of thing? They're all thoughts created by the person who isn't there, the man upon the stair. Real you knows what is best for you. And I don't use that in the way in which what is best for you was bandied around the place when I was growing up in Ireland in the 1960s. Take your punishment, it's best for you. I don't mean that at all. Or, you know, take the pain along with the pleasure, it's best for you. Or suffer in this life so that you have a happy time in the next life, that's best for you. That's not the way in which I'm using the phrase best for you at all. I mean really best for you. Happiness, success, the joy of living in the moment, the joy of having, you know, magic moments or perfect moments. Fulfillment, leaping out of bed in the morning with a spring in your step, living the life that is best for you. Now that's way beyond any understanding that the thinking conceptual mind could actually have because the thinking conceptual mind is made up of stuff that was thrown at you, as I said, slapdashed at you earlier on, was thrown at you by normal crazy people. Okay, they may have loved you, they may have been doing their best, that's using the word best in a totally different way to the way I used it a minute ago, isn't it? Most people, 95%, in my view, it's more than that, maybe 98, 99% of people haven't a clue what's going on and therefore they're struggling through the day and then they'll, therefore they'll say things to you that they didn't, really didn't mean. They might say something as a joke, but a three-year-old will take it to heart and suddenly realize, oh, I am stupid. When you were actually told you were stupid for doing a stupid dance or something, you know, when you were three years old. That little mind doesn't have the sense of humor that the adult attributes to it. So what's a throwaway remark for an adult is actually something important to a little mind. By little I mean a formative mind, a clear mind, a present mind, learning his or her way in the world and as a result of which constructing this body of nonsense in your own head which wouldn't know its backside from its elbow. So when you find yourself thinking any of the thoughts that we talked about at the beginning of today's podcast, like I, I, I'm not confident in myself, or I'm suffering from low self-esteem, or I hate myself. Yeah, people actually do tell me I hate myself, or, or I like to be liked, or I wish people would respect me more. That's an interesting one. We might come back to that in a couple of weeks. Or I want to be approved of. When you find yourself thinking those thoughts or having the feelings associated with thinking those thoughts, because they're very often, these are the little triggers that set us off in the direction of self-destruction, death by a thousand cuts, or actually death by 70,000 thoughts. When you find yourself thinking those thoughts or having the feelings that those thoughts create, realize that that is just your thinking mind. Realize that you need to let that pass. How do you let it pass? Not by saying, go away. Or as one client of mine said years ago, I have an imaginary baseball bat and I whack those thoughts out of the park. Why would you go to the trouble of whacking something that actually isn't there? 
A thought is a nothing until you give it your attention. I, I'm not telling you to withdraw your attention from your thoughts because that would be telling you not to do something. I'm giving you something positive and life-changing to do. And that is turn your attention to the reality of the here and now. That can be as simple as the reality of your own body in the here and now. The reality of one breath at a time in the here and now. The reality of the birds singing outside in the here and now. The reality of a taste of a mouthful of coffee in your mouth. Obviously, a mouthful of coffee in your mouth. The reality of what is going on in the here and now. The little stuff that's going on in the here and now. Because it is in the little stuff of everyday life that the real you will present himself or herself to you effortlessly. And then all bets are off. Everything changes. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-horn.ie.